welcome to episode 141 of District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Today's guest on the podcast is Lee DeLange, who is the Chief Operating Officer of GenPro Energy Solutions. Here's a little backgrounder on him. Lee is the genius behind today's GenPro operations. With a keen eye for process improvement, he is continually challenging his team to grow and exceed expectations. His career includes 23 years with Rapid City-based Black Hills Energy, most recently as manager of the energy services and customer operations team where he managed commercial and industrial accounts, energy efficient programs, and customer solution teams for Black Hills Energy. He earned a Bachelor of Applied Technical Sciences degree from Black Hills State University and a computer-aided drafting degree from Western Dakota Technical Institute. He is active in the Black Hills community, serving on chamber boards, economic development boards, and other nonprofit organizations. His proven track record has led him to being highly sought after for various speaking engagements about leadership. He was accepted into Leadership South Dakota in 2016, and he is an elder and board member at Rimrock Evangelical Free Church. He and his wife, Amy, have three children. Now, I brought Lee on not only because I know him. I met him and his lovely wife at the Buffalo Roundup I've spoken about here on the podcast and reported on, given my interview with Governor Christy Nome. And Lee and his wife were guests of the governor that day. We all were assigned to the same truck. Lee and his wife decided to join me and my friend Anong on the truck bed while we were recording and observing the Buffalo roaming during the Buffalo Roundup in late September, and that's where I got to get to know him, learn about his work in the energy industry, and much more. And I asked him to talk about working in renewable energy, how his company differs from others, kind of his view about how innovation in the renewable energy space can take place, and I asked if it is easy in response to John Kerry's recent comments about how feasible it is for oil and gas workers to transition to solar technicians if it's doable. And he has a very interesting response to that claim. You don't want to miss this and get to learn a little bit about kind of different views held in the energy space with respect to renewables. And I think this is very timely to have a discussion like this. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. This is my conversation with Lee DeLange of GenPro Energy Solutions. All right. We are joined by Lee DeLange from South Dakota. Actually, I befriended him and his wife at the annual Buffalo Roundup. Uh, They, along with my friend Anong and I, were all paired together to ride on the truck bed and follow and track the buffalo herd. So I got to meet him and his lovely wife when I was in South Dakota, and we've been in touch ever since. And I wanted him to come talk on about his company, his work in the energy sector, and also why he's so passionate about the great outdoors. So Lee, it's good to finally have you on both my podcast and the simulcast that'll go on my YouTube channel. Yeah, it's very good to be here. It's great seeing and talking to you again. And it's been a pretty wild few months since last time we saw each other. Yes, it has. It certainly has. Um, a lot, I, I bet a lot of people are moving to South Dakota. Am I hearing you? You and your wife were telling me that so many people were, but is is the market still very hot? I keep hearing words that it is. It is. Yes, um, there's still we're still seeing that influx of people and interest in relocating. And um, you know, as our governor has stated for several months, our state is open for business, and I think that message is is getting across to a lot of people. And we're still seeing the people come to our area. 
Yes, you guys certainly do, especially uh, because I think she's been able to have a balance with obviously treating the virus seriously, but not closing down everything. And, and I think that's why that that principle is such a huge draw with people. I, I never thought I would see Californians moving to South Dakota. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's really crazy. And yeah, we've I think we've done a good job, and I, I think the governor did. Um, you know, she she moved in the right direction, saying basically that the you know the South South Dakotans. Um, know the seriousness of the situation they they know how to handle it and, and i think we've responded pretty well and everyone won't agree to that but i think the you know it's 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 one of those issues that uh, i don't think we'll ever agree on but it's been really good so far and i think we're seeing some good numbers lately so um, but yeah and, and uh, you know amy and i live just a little bit outside of town up in the hills um enjoy the pine trees every day and within you know a matter of a couple months we had two people uh, move on to our block and they're both from California, wow. both uh, bought sight unseen and loaded up the van and here they come. So I, I don't think we're, uh, we have not seen the end of that sort of uh, trend yet. Yeah. And I expect you guys will see a continued growth. I think, um, I forget which ec- economic indicator or publication put it out, but they said South Dakota was like one of the top five states that people are moving into. So <laughs> I, I anticipate you guys are going to have a lot more transplants coming in soon. Well, it's a great place to be. I love it. It's beautiful. It was like I told you and Amy, it was my first time ever to the state and I loved it. It was just so beautiful, breathtaking, fresh air, great people, delicious food. It was a grand time. So anyone contemplating a move or at least a visit uh, will like it, I think. Yeah. And you know, that the roundup that you and I uh, were able to share the back, back of a pickup truck and I, you know, I, I kind of found out later that, you know, based on the video that I took and and I'm sure you got some amazing footage as well. Um, I heard from a lot of people like, you don't know how guys lucky you guys are to kind of be in the location you were and to have the route chosen, you know, by your driver that you did. And some of the, you know, we were right in the thick of it for a lot of it. So that was, that was pretty amazing once in a lifetime for sure. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very bumpy. I think I had a few bruises afterwards, but it oh, yeah. was worth it <laughs> to get all <laughs> footage and just to see that firsthand it was super incredible I've only had I I don't think even like seeing the buffalo stall in Yellowstone really compares it's cool but you don't get to ride at like really high speeds of course but uh yeah that was certainly a life-changing once-in-a-lifetime experience I will certainly say that too yeah and uh, we were talking about energy in addition to a lot of things because you actually work in the energy industry and before you went to this company you work with now, you worked with another energy company, more traditional. Uh, so why don't you explain what's, what it's like working in the energy industry, kind of what is happening, um, and specifically with your company too? Yeah, well, I started out right out, of, uh, right out of school working for the local electric utility company and, you know, um, really started out as, as an intern and really didn't know where that was going to lead. And I, and I got to... Um, you know, be within a department that focused on energy savings for customers. And so most of my career there centered around helping energy users use their um, energy better, find better solutions, um, understand how we use energy. So I really got, you know, centered on, on that, you know, uh, on that part of the industry and, and, um, it was, um, you know, it was a really good experience over the 23 years I was involved in helping really large um, companies understand their electric bill all the way down to residential customers, 
really understand, you know, how they use energy. And, and so that, that became very important to me. And the more that I grew in that company, um, it's a fantastic company to work for. And I still have great relationships with everyone there. Um, but um, what I found is that I really had a desire to like think about it a little differently and really understand that is this the best way um, to do something? And that's the question that always rattles around my head no matter what I'm doing. And so really applying that to my, to my career path, you know, looking at, um, you know, solar and wind and all that was sort of uh, the buzz in the early 2000s. And, and um, it started to mature fairly rapidly. And I saw where, uh, particularly solar, where that was going. And it was, it was growing very rapidly and the costs were coming down. And all of a sudden there was this notion that could this energy source really get to that point where it's kind of on par in terms of price and, and viability with traditional fossil fuel. And um, that was sort of remarkable to think about. And um, so, so here we are, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a reality today. And so um, I, at the end of my career with, with the, the electric utility company, um, I had that, that uh, desire just to, to be somewhere where I kind of wanted to be on the front lines and see some tangible um, results of some of those, um, you know, real life solutions that, that could be delivered to our clients. And, and, um, and then, you know, it, it uh, got to a point where I started thinking about, well, um, you know, there, there's a better way probably to approach renewable energy versus traditional um, and the way that way that most companies possibly think about it, I think, you know, I, you know, we have a lot of peers in the industry that go about renewable energy in a different way. And that's um, than what we do. And that's pretty much to go up, you know, head to head against um, fossil fuel. Um, you know, we hear it in the news all the time, you know, obviously in the last week, you know, what's happened to the oil and gas industry not a lot of good has happened to, to them, um, you know, and who knows where that's going to take us in the future. And, and um, you know, one of the, one of the, the differences that, you know, in that mentality and that, that go to market approach for, for Gen Pro Energy Solutions is that we really see those utility companies as, as partners. Um, it's, it's a pretty high priority for us to, be a part of the change in the industry that helps make that transition from fossil fuel to renewables and other um, sustainable energy sources. Um, let's do that smarter. Let's do that so that it doesn't, you know, it's not painful for anybody as much as possible. And, you know, bring that solution on in a really, really wise way and, and partner with the utility companies. Um, so my move from there to GenPro Energy was um, really driven, you know, by that decision. Like I really wanted to be part of that solution. I understand both sides of the coin. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a, um, you know, it's, it's well, we're, all of us at GenPro typically are kind of like an anomaly in the industry where we're, in the, you know, live in the middle of South Dakota and we're, you know, ranked number seven in the U.S. for, you know, in solar, solar contractors across the country. So it's just weird to think about that. But, you know, um, it, it's... Um, it, having both sides of the, you know, the industry from the traditional to renewable and, you know, thinking about how can we, how can we best make this transition 
And, it, you know, it's, it's working out great. We have really good relationships with utilities all over the Midwest. Um, we are doing projects on the East Coast, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, um, Illinois. We're going to be in Arkansas this year, Nebraska. Um, and so those opportunities, I, I think, come from having this, um, having this approach to energy. Like, it, it's not all or nothing or one or the other. It's all of the above approach. Let's understand what's best for the energy users in this country and let's package something. Let's take all the solutions available and determine what's best, what's best financially, what's best environmentally, what's best just from a feasibility standpoint, um, what, what makes the most sense and, uh, and deliver that. And so I think that's, that's working and that's, that's really what I've enjoyed over the last four years being here. Um, and it's a good time. You know, we've, we've, the industry is just doing really, really well right now. That's very interesting how you put it. Yeah, because I think you see other people in clean energy companies kind of lambast oil and gas. And we had this conversation on the in the truck bed about this, but that's a very unique approach because I still think we're still not not I would say opposed to solar, but because for many people who live closer to cities, oil and gas or especially natural gas is kind of the cheaper option. And I think if people are presented solar kind of from a holistic perspective, they may be open to it if they put it on their house. Actually, one great congressman who does, I think, simply, I think he he fully powers his house by solar, but he's against like mandating it is Thomas Massey of Kentucky. So I look to him as kind of like an example. And and what you said kind of reminded me of him and how he he encourages it, but he doesn't encourage it by coercion, which right. other companies kind of follow that model because you can't convince people to consider an energy source if you're coercing them, um, especially with, uh, I don't know how uh, you and your colleagues at your company respond to comments. I think the climate envoy, John Kerry, said that uh, people who work in oil and gas can easily transition to solar panel technicians. Is that true? Because it's a different skill set from my understanding. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that would be entirely true. I, I don't think I would make that statement personally. It's, um, we are, it's a very different set of skills and, um, um, and it's actually very tough to find, you know, um, really good, good um, uh, workforce in, in this particular area because, you know, there's, well, there's, you know, across the country, there's about 250,000 people that work in the renewable energy industry across the country. Um, are, you know, being in the Midwest, it's even harder to uh, attract a workforce that has any experience at all. So, um, and, you know, it's, it's not an easy transition I would, from, from oil and gas. It's just sort of apples and oranges, but, you know, hey, any, any great worker that has a great attitude and wants to learn, we're, we're all about it, though. Yeah, that, that's probably more encouraging to hear rather than, <laughs> I, they all, I mean, obviously every type of extractive, um, I would say a traditional energy source, it, it requires digging. It requires using very advanced tools, going in mines, going into different areas. And solar is very different. So yeah, it was really kind of tone deaf to hear uh, John Kerry talk about that. But I don't think he has really any basic understanding of, of energy much um, because he didn't want wind actually right near his house from what I remember. So it's interesting uh, to yeah. preach clean energy, but doesn't want it in his backyard. <laughs> right. Yeah, we hear that a lot, right? Yeah. And... Uh, with kind of just the advent of renewables, and I know there's a lot of different sources, there's geothermal as well. Um, 
Wind is quite contentious too at times, um, especially in terms of land use. Uh, but with solar in particular, I think people forget that if you transition away from oil and gas, you're not going to have the necessary components to make solar panels or to to kind of construct that. Is that true? Like what exactly goes into a solar panel and do they still need to use kind of these minerals and these traditional fuel byproducts in order to be constructed? Yeah, um, good question. And I admit I'm probably not going to uh, be able to answer this completely. Um, I have people that, that could uh, do a much better job. But yes, you're right. I mean, that's, um, you know, and even going beyond the solar panels, um, what we're going to hear more of in the future is really the battery technology, um, because when you're when you talk about the the growth and the direction of the renewable energy renewable energy industry, um, batteries battery storage is going to be a big topic of conversation, and you know you're already seeing the the pros and cons of that, and and um, you know characterizing. Uh, battery storage as renewable, but you know there's some arguments that could be made that um, is, could be against that. So um, you know extracting you know the materials needed for that. Um, so I you know I actually honestly think that uh, um, you know what goes into a battery and the the part that battery storage is going to play in the future, it will you know on one hand it's going to make renewable energy even that much more um, viable and it will make sense across um, the entire, you know, the grid in terms of how um, renewable energy can be integrated into the overall, um, you know, deployment of energy across the entire country. So battery storage is really, you know, probably going to be even more of an issue than maybe uh, solar panels are. So, um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a balance. It's just sort of looking at what's best for us, what's most sustainable. And um, sometimes it's not a really clear cut answer. Do you think there's also going to be perhaps confusion um, with the government kind of coming in where companies like yours more so could be more adept at uh, kind of swaying people to do solar? I feel like sometimes when the government comes in and I'm against oil subsidies too, but I think anytime sometimes you see the subsidies come in, it kind of um, doesn't balance out things. And I think companies like yours that are innovating um, don't really need the government to come in and innovate. But do you kind of worry that some of your colleagues or some of your counterparts in solar may rely too much on the government, um, whether it is about innovation and do you prefer, let's say the private model to do that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. And, and um, there's a lot of people excited right now that the solar industry is going to be positively impacted. And, you know, I see where that's coming from. Um, um, We, we have the end user in mind, you know, in our day-to-day business and our business model is built around what's best for the end user what what really makes sense financially um, and when you have something that comes in and artificially impacts pricing um, then you know I, I tend to look at that as probably a negative I would rather the market work on its own prices have gone down 70 percent for solar energy for example in the last 10 years um, it's doing very well. I mean, it's, it makes sense financially right now, almost wherever you go, kind of depending, you know, some parts of the country, they could still enjoy pretty low electric rates, but electric rates aren't going down. Um, they're going the opposite direction. Um, and so the, the solar and other renewable energy, you know, I really believe at the end of the day, we need to, you know, rely on, um, 
you know, incentive tax credit, for example, the ITC has been, I think, a, personally, a great tool to sort of get um, get the ball rolling, but they need to be phased out. And um, we need to do that reasonably over time so that um, the industry can stand on its own. So I, I, I agree, you know, personally, don't like subsidies at all, because re- you're really dealing with a, you know, a false sense of really how you're doing. Um, and uh, I, w- I would rather have um, us, and, and that's the way we function every day. When we build a system, when we price out a system and do the financial analysis on it, it's got to stand on its own. Otherwise, we might not be interested in doing it. So that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. I appreciate you uh, illuminating me on that. And I think the listeners will also find that to be really interesting because you often don't hear that. Or, and maybe certain companies are propped up more than others. I know with certain other green technology companies that were fraudulent in years past, um, really didn't have a foot to stand on. And I think smaller organizations like yours probably have more of a, let's say, a virtue, a virtuous kind of operating um, system in place where, where you want to, to innovate, you want to offer a quality product, you want people to actually educate themselves about this type of clean energy source, rather than um, perhaps be elevated to a point and you don't really come to fruition. I think that was with Solyndra. And then I saw some other company too, that I think uh, <laughs> collapsed as a result of getting um, some, a lot of subsidies and also a lot of backing from the government. Um, they didn't really materialize. They were just yeah. constructed and, and nothing came about those uh, companies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think to me, it's important to, you know, base a business model off of something that doesn't change every two to four years. Um, you know, that's a bit of a risk. So, um, you know, the, I think the value of, of what we do speaks for itself and it doesn't have to be propped up necessarily. Of course, you know, I, certainly there are programs and there are things out there that really help people get engaged and, you know, get some stuff on the ground that maybe normally wouldn't. And so certainly not, um, you know, I like to see some of that stuff that sort of serves its purpose, and um, but uh, certainly not something that's permanently bolted onto our to our industry. You also are a very avid sportsman. We were trading stories about hunting, and actually, after I had seen you, I got my first deer in Wyoming, in the region next door to you guys. And you were talking about elk hunting, and I was really sad that I couldn't see the elk herd in. Uh, the Wind Cave National Park nearby Custer State Park, but just seeing all the different wildlife, hearing your different stories about South Dakota, why don't you talk about the hunting opportunities you've experienced and what makes it so unique? And also fishing too, if you want to talk about that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, you bet. I mean, I, I, as a sportsman, I don't live in a better place in the country. In my opinion, I, I, uh, there's something about the Black Hills that you, you got to taste a little bit when you were out here uh, for the Buffalo Roundup. Um, and I have, you know, enjoyed it my entire life. And I, over the years, my, my interest changes a little bit. I don't know, call it maturity or whatever, but, um, anymore it's, it's, um, you know, I just love going out and getting tree therapy. I call it, you know, just sitting in the tree and just, uh, maybe not even taking the bow off its stand, but just sort of, uh, sitting, um, you know, just sitting in the tree and just enjoying creation. Uh, but I, you know, grew up archery hunting, probably my favorite um, animal to chase is the white-tailed deer. And, um, you know, with my stick and string and uh, there's just something about them. They're incredibly smart. Um, they have this instinct that you just can't figure out. And so they're always a puzzle. They're always a mystery of figuring out, you know, they're, they could be, you know, you could have them patterned all fall. And then first day of opening, you know, season, they're, 
they disappear for you know whatever reason. So they're 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 uh, a huge challenge. I love chasing them. Um, in summertime, you know, well, you can probably find me at a lake. Um, not so much this last summer, but uh, typically I love uh, um, you know being in the boat. And I you know chasing walleyes. That's my favorite fish. So um, we have to travel a couple hours to the Missouri River to to get into walleyes. Um, uh, well, but, um, um, yeah, you know, besides that, um, you know, I've taken some elk hunting trips, uh, typically to Colorado. I, I killed a, um, a Boone and Crockett, um, bear, black bear up in Canada here several years ago. That was a very fun trip. So, and then we, we hunt wild hogs down in Texas. So pretty much, you know, got this 2000 mile swath of land that I, play in and love every minute of it and yeah yeah it sounds like a, a dream from from what I remember and what you were uh communicating here and um I think a lot of people fail to understand and kind of see the connection between people who work in your industry and those who partake in sportsmen's activities and even with traditional fuel sources and I think even clean energy sources people don't see the connection that you can engage yourself in energy extractive type or energy industry related professions and also simultaneously enjoy the great outdoors. And I think uh, because you have a basis of stewardship, you don't want to see the land uh, exhausted or abused or improperly managed. So kind of what is your philosophy as someone who's worked obviously in energy or utilities and also partakes in the great outdoors? I don't think we, we see that connection talked about enough. I've seen it in Virginia that it works, that you can have industry and then simultaneously conservation efforts. Um, and, and those cases aren't really t- talked about much. Uh, but, but what is your thinking on that? And, and do you think more of this type of viewpoint is going to be communicated going forward? Do you see more people in energy talking about this, their appreciation of wildlife especially? Um, yeah, you said it. Stewardship. I, that is the word that comes to mind immediately. It's something that I value very much. Um, it, I get maybe stereotyped, um, sometimes by, you know, peers in the industry, um, something about working in the renewable energy space that somehow you have to have a certain, you know, political stance on different things and, um, certainly not the case. So it's, in fact, to me, it's, you know, the, my values and what I believe to be true about our world that we live in, um, fit very well with, with what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do here at Genpro. Um, you know, we are giving, we are given this world to live on for a very brief amount of time. And it's our obligation to do with it the best that we can and leave it better than when we got here. And, and that's part of it. Um, so I think, you know, what I'm, what I do every day is, is try to be, you know, try to be a steward of what I've been given and, and give those tools to other people. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of us that, you know, in, in my neck of the woods, I might be insulated a little bit, but, you know, I live in a part of the country where everybody understands it very much. Um, and it's, I think it's not understood very much at all. You know, I, you know, you, you just have to be careful what you even post out on social media. You know, I'd, I'd love to share the experience, um, like you do, um, you know, the deer that you harvested in, in beautiful state of Wyoming. Um, those should be good times, right? And, and we shouldn't be in fear of really sharing those opportunities. And, uh, but, you know, you, you and I both know that when we're out there in the field, um, it's my biggest uh, priority to manage that herd, even though I don't own them or, 
you know, they're, they're not my responsibility solely, but it's my job to do what I can to make sure that that herd is as healthy as possible. And, you know, us, you know, those that hunt, we, we provide a tremendous resource to those that are responsible for doing what's necessary to make sure that happens and issuing out licenses at the right rate and the number, um, you know, we, we are truly um, the you know, biggest conservationists in this country when it comes to wildlife. Um, no one can argue that. Data speaks for itself. That's how it is. Um, we, we have more interest in making sure that wildlife succeeds and is healthy. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, it's, I love everything about, you know, being a steward and, and doing, doing the right thing for what we've been given. And that, that 24 seven, that's, that's, uh, that's my job. Have you noticed around you more people going hunting? Because here in Virginia, we've had quite the explosion um, and different other states have also noticed a huge uptick in users who've gone hunting. Um, is that also being seen in South Dakota, you think? It seems that way, yes. You know, of course, you know, most of uh, South Dakotans are very used to that anyway. Somebody in their family hunts and it's sort of a traditional thing. Um, but I do see um, a lot of energy with the younger people coming up, which is huge. Um, archery hunting tends to be a, a you know, really big draw in this, this part of the world. And, and so I see a lot of young people um, getting into that, you know, specifically archery. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a challenging sport. And I see a lot of energy around that. Um, we have great programs, great shops around the area that's promoting that. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that this new generation comes up and, and kind of fills our shoes and, and uh, takes the interest that we do in making sure that we can serve what we have. It's important. And I think a lot of news outlets started to realize that. I, I saw different publications who don't positively regard hunting at all start to kind of change their tune. I think it was Washington Post being one. I never thought Pew Trust would talk highly about hunting, but I think they recognize just the importance of users to, to replenish those conservation dollars with Pittman-Robertson funds. So now people are realizing like, maybe we shouldn't have stigmatized hunters all these years. They actually play a major role mm -hmm. in replenishing wildlife, uh, habitat restoration, hunters education, and all these different facets. So maybe the narrative is changing a little bit. I mean, obviously, like you alluded to, uh, people are still going to try to find ways to make noise about social media, gripping grins and different postings that that still will be kind of a hurdle. But I think most people are at least waking up to the notion that hunting is not as bad as everyone portrays it to be. I sure, I certainly hope so. You know, if any, anybody has a doubt, um, call me up. I'll take you out this fall. Um, you just need to experience it and understand it. And I think that's the biggest thing is people aren't educated. Um, really, you know, they're just sort of, um, following a narrative that is not very accurate and um, get into it and understand it and be honest and, and really study the issue um, would be my encouragement. Well said. Lee, how can people connect with you and your company, learn more about it? Maybe if someone wants to apply to work for you guys, how can they go about that process? We have a great question. Glad you asked. Genproenergy.com is our website. Um, we have several positions that we're hiring for right now. We are growing uh, very quickly. Um, it's an exciting time to um, get into this business, um, especially GenPro, where we're kind of on a, a really um, you know steep growth pattern right now. So GenProEnergy.com um, would be the place to go. They're posted there, and you can find me and my contact information there as well. And uh, I, you know, we're we're excited for where we're going. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for updating me about your company, coming on to share your thoughts on what's happening in the industry, how you can coexist with existing utility companies and other energy type environments um, in the business sphere, kind of your philosophy when it comes to operating and hunting, of course. So Lee, thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we'll get another chance to, to get together. I would love to see you and your wife again if I ever come back to the Black Hills of South Dakota. You're always welcome and I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode of District of Conservation. It'll be the first of four episodes I'll be dropping this week. Tomorrow you'll hear my conversation with the Sportsman's Alliance and I'm revisiting with Bruce Tagg and Brian Lynn to talk about the latest in hunting legislation, kind of their feelings about the new administration and if hunters and anglers will have a seat at the table and so much more. You don't want to miss that. On Wednesday, we'll be rejoined by Avine Klein from the Congressional Sportsman Foundation to talk a little more at length about the proposed bill to ban black bear hunting in California, the 30 by 30 proposal that has now been ushered in through executive order by the Biden administration, and much more. Friday, I'll be dropping a special episode with one of the newest members of the House Natural Resources Committee on the Republican side. And I won't reveal who that is until I release that episode, but you do not want to miss that. It's a newer member of Congress. I think their perspective will be very interesting. We'll talk about energy development, natural resources, and so much more. So Friday, you guys want to stay tuned and listen for that special interview. But all of our guests this week are awesome, and I cannot wait for you to hear them if you're hearing them again or if you're hearing them for the first time. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. If you like the podcast, you like what you're hearing, the guests I'm bringing on, you can hit us up with some reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Pull up your app, search for the podcast, scroll down to the bottom, leave a review. If you want to give us five stars, have at it. But reviews go a long, long way in showing me that we're reaching more people. And do your part to share the podcast with your friends. Encourage them to subscribe. Encourage them to check us out. Give us some consideration. Again, you don't want to miss this action-packed week here on the podcast. I would love to hear your feedback on the guests, topic selections, and everything else we cover. Enjoy!